Mary Hines, the host of the CBC show Tapestry, has commented that the be here now phenomenon has become a fetish in our society. She goes on to say that we understand a fetish as something worshipped for its supposed magical powers or because it's considered to be inhabited by a spirit. In her rarefied position as host of a show that brings together people interested in the human spirit has allowed her to see a pattern. Be here now, a place so many of us desperately long for, a mythical place told about in books written by wise sages and consumed by those of us who just can't seem to find our own breath. We take meditation classes. We listen to prayer recordings. We carry beads. We do all sorts of things to find our way through the maze of our own distractions to be here now. And sometimes it's a wonder to know if we have ever been present or if the present moment is more like a dragon or a giant or a wizard living in the forest, something we've heard tales of but have never actually seen for ourselves. And we worship the present moment as if it is somehow the cure for our busy lives, our distracted lives, our painful lives, our real lives. And in so many ways, that is the conundrum. We say we want to be here now because it seems more genuine or authentic. But is that what we really want? The opposite of being here now is being in some state of fantasy. And our fantasies can take on many forms. We can be better looking, funnier, more intelligent, wealthier, more satisfied with the person or people who love us. We can be content with and love ourselves. We can also be self-righteous, angry, powerful and vicious. We can be humiliated, lost, abandoned. There is no end to the fantasies we can create. But all of them seem better than the present moment, which perhaps is why being in the present moment is so difficult. Compared to our fantasies, the real world is a little lackluster. I do not fantasize about shopping for groceries. I do not fantasize about having to get my sweater mended. But I need to do both of those things. And I think the fetish we create about be here now is something of a fantasy itself. Like enlightenment will be so amazing that I will be in awe of life as I walk to the tailor. Like I will somehow realize that I am part of God and God is me and the universe is spiraling and infinite and awesome and here I am experiencing it all as I drive down Broad Street to the grocery store. But that has not happened to me once. Not in the way I fantasize about it anyway. Now I have fantasized a ton while driving down Broad Street, or any street for that matter. I constantly live in fantasy. And I don't think that that is bad. Fantasy can tell us a lot about who we are and what we really want for our lives. Will our lives look the way they do in the fantasies? No, they never will. Do fantasies tell us about values, desires, hopes? Yes, they absolutely do. 
The only bad part about fantasy, or really our relationship with fantasy, is when it moves into the area of regret. I could have been important. I could have married a great person. I could have a great job if only I weren't so me. But there is an aspirational side of fantasy, a side that helps us become aware of what we value, and taking some time to look into our fantasies without holding on to regret will give us a sense of what we really want for our lives, or what our lives really want for us. So for example, I have a fantasy superpower. And it is that I am able to walk into a library and just by being around the books, I absorb their information and my brain categorizes all of that information in ways that allows me to see patterns and discrepancies. As fantasy superpowers go, I realize it's kind of nerdy. Not that exciting and pretty self-absorbed. I mean, it's not a fantasy of developing a new crop that grows on my windowsill and feeds ten families or anything. But it is my fantasy. Now, I haven't read a third of the books I own, and there are times when I get upset at myself for not being better educated. But for the most part, this fantasy confirms that I am in the right field of work, that career-wise, I have found an occupation that supports this fantasy. I get to read and tell people what I've read for a living. Now, if I can move beyond regret, it is a wonderful moment to recognize where I am. I won't ever attain my particular fantasy, no one ever will, but I am moving in that general direction. My fantasy endorses my life, and that's a good feeling. Our lives are not consolation prizes with our fantasies being the lottery ticket we missed out on. Which is not to say we shouldn't examine be here now. We should. We should examine it precisely because it seems to be so important to us, not just individually, but culturally. The question is, can we examine this fantasy without regret? Because a fantasy is not attainable. It is more like a finger indicating a direction of what we would like, which so often is just to be happy, to know we are loved, to realize we have enough for everyone. When we can understand what our fantasies are really saying to us, we can begin to think about what we are willing to risk to realize that type of life. When I know what I really want, then I know what I am called to do in life. Thank you for listening to this meditation. You can find a written version of it on my website at ianwhitemar.com slash meditations. Who are the people in your life who would enjoy and benefit from this meditation? Pick one and send them a link. Maybe start a conversation with them. What are your reoccurring fantasies? What are they calling you to do with this life? 
The spiritual journey isn't something we need to do on our own. We are meant to travel the path with partners. I hope you will join me again next week.